Welcome to the Religion and Story Podcast. On this week's episode, we are going to talk about the two things that you should not talk about at the dinner table, but when you put them together, you're safe. We're going to talk about Christianity and politics. We're going to ask all sorts of questions about how Christians should deal in the political arena, what should Christians view uh, within their own political beliefs. Not that you listen to us for that very reason, but we have some thoughts on it. Uh, but first, we want to ask, I think, what's the most basic question? We want to ask, does Jesus have a political party? Perhaps you've seen someone say Jesus is a Democrat, or you've seen someone say Jesus is a Republican, or you've seen people say that Jesus is neither. Guys, what do we think? Uh, is Jesus a member of a political party in the larger sense of it? Uh, Dana, what do you think? So... Um... I want to go ahead and call out the easy answer and say, no, sure. Jesus transcends political parties. Jesus is bigger and better than that. And I can think of several people at my congregation who would be first ones to add that to the conversation. I want to go ahead and put that out there and say, sure, yeah, I guess Jesus is, he transcends political parties. He is, the kingdom of God is greater than any kingdom of man, um, any earthly kingdom. That said, um, if uh, I think Jesus was born into, um, or Jesus lived in 2019 America, and uh, he was going to cast a cast a vote, um, I guess next year in 2020, then I, uh, and I, I'm sure y'all will push back. I would say he would be more likely to lean left politically. And the, the current political climate, um, he would lean left. I will leave it at that, and we will we can get into it into a moment. Stephen, I'll I'll pass over to you. What do you, what do you think? Do you like the first answer that transcends it all, or do you think he, he does belong to the political right or left? Maybe you think he's a he would be part of the Green Party. You tell me. Well, no, I I think that you are on to something uh, to an extent where Jesus. Uh, did come and disrupt the uh, the teachers of the law that were essentially the, uh, the moderators of the government for the uh, Jewish people at that point in time, and he was stepping on their toes. So I don't think that um, that would really change too much uh, because governments remain to be imperfect uh, to this day, and so I think that Jesus would take a look at the current political landscape and be able to point out all the things where we're missing the big picture from a religious standpoint on both sides. So uh, you would see that the Democrats uh, are very good at taking care of the poor and the needy, uh, but uh, the Republicans are going to point out, well, yeah, you, you're doing that, but not in a way that we agree upon. And uh, the uh, Republicans are quick to defend their religious freedoms that are being uh, stepped on, where a lot of the association with the left side of government is um, uh, common with uh, people that do not lead a Christian lifestyle. Uh, that if you're not a Christian uh, and open about it and you're against God, um, most of the time you're going to uh, be on the left side. But guess what? Uh, there's also people that are not Christians uh, on the, on more conservative sides of uh, politics, and they're there for other reasons, for you know gun rights, 
uh, other uh, things, uh, fiscal conservatism. And so you got good aspects on both sides, but you're also intertwined with people that are not doing the right thing on both sides also. So I think Jesus would end up stepping on both sides' toes uh, with his ministry that he would come to bring. Yeah. Michael. Stephen, I, th I think you hit the nail on the, he the head there that Jesus would make both sides uncomfortable. And I, I think that's a good takeaway point if you hear nothing else from this. Um, D Daniel, I want to I want to say that you didn't go far enough with your transcendent point, uh, specifically that uh, that Jesus is not a part of any political party. I, I think that, that that's letting it off easy because uh, I think that Jesus would say that you need to be involved in politics or you, you are by default involved in politics just by being alive. Um, but uh, you can't you can't assign your soul, as you were saying, Daniel, you can't assign your soul to one side or the other. Um, now, let me make a bold claim that is not so bold. Um, and if we get any hate mail, please send it directly to me, Michael Crouch. Send it to the Michael of the Crouch Brothers. Uh, there is no way in the world, in any circumstance, um, that Jesus would vote for Donald Trump. Not, not one. There is no way in, in the world we live in that Jesus would vote for that guy. Um, he is his his morality is antithetical to who, uh, to what Jesus stood for. Um, his policies, on the other hand, you know, that the, the ways that he has tried to uh, pander to the religious right, to economic conservatives, um, I think we can divorce from who he is as a person. And so talking about political party stuff, um, I don't think that Jesus would have uh, filled out uh, a candidate for president on uh, on his 2016 ballot or would have gone down ballot uh, for sure. And I think he, he might have to do that uh, on his 2020 ballot as well. Um, I, I would say that that Jesus uh, is, is ethical first in what he is trying to do. But he would also be a a, a realist on uh, on what needed to get done. But being a realist does not mean that you have to, to pick the lesser of two evils. Uh, I love it when when there's Republicans who call Donald Trump our Cyrus. You know that uh, he, he's this this vessel that God is used this you know the secular vessel that God is using to deliver his people. Come on, um, uh, I don't think that you know. Jesus, at least in the context of Rome, uh, had any idea that that's how politics worked. Um, my cop-out answer, if I had to give one, would be that uh, Jesus would not operate at the federal level. He'd be a mayor. He, he would be involved in local politics and would would be on the ground helping out people. And um, and this, this is where I, I start to lean conservative or libertarian, at least, to say that Jesus would not be coercive. He would be trying to get his local constituents to work on his behalf. He'd, he'd be building coalitions of, of local congregations, even the, even the Jewish uh, synagogue, come out to help people um, to make sure that local places were well taken care of. Um, you said that uh, 
Jesus for sure would not vote for Donald Trump. Well, yes. let's give you a hypothetical. Do you think he would have voted for uh, Barack Obama, or do you think that he? Do you think God is worried about ending up on the wrong side of history? Um, I, you know, I don't. Um, so th- this is where my partisan nature comes in. Um, I, I admit it up front. My partisan nature says that he would not vote for Barack Obama. He would not vote for a pro-abortion candidate. I think the Democrats would would find some issue on the right where they would say Jesus would not vote for – Jesus would be a one-issue voter in this way that takes him against the Republican Party. Um, that's, that's my bias there, and I think my bias is right, but I don't think that he would vote for – uh, those who favor abortion policies. If Jesus was going to write write in a candidate on his ballot, who would he put? Peter. As the Pope. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, who would he put? Um, oh, that's a good question. Like, is this like a, like, who's the best modern day example of a good Christian politician? If that's what you want to think he would do. See, see, real. Uh, what our what our listeners or viewers should know is that by whatever our answer to that question is, is basically who's my favorite politician? Who do I think is the best? Well, and you also have to be aware you don't have to limit yourself to uh, time being dead or alive. He'll write in the politician and resurrect them just for the election. So then we get like John Calvin or Augustine, you know, who take over the city, sort of thing. Uh, I'm a Mitch Daniels guy. I think he'd, he'd vote for Mitch Daniels. Uh, okay. Uh, other things that we need to say about the party of Jesus, who we think he would uh, side with? Uh, I'll just echo real quick what you said to be sure that those the few listeners we have on the left hear their voice uh, being heard. Uh that I think, Michael, you're right in that people on the left would say uh, there, there's a, there are things about the right that Jesus would not want to vote for. Just like you said, that you're admittedly partisan towards, towards the right because you think Jesus would see this particular issue, um, the issue of uh, abortion, as worth steering his vote against. Um, people on the left would point out a handful of issues on the right that they think now these are the things that he probably would vote for that that christians should be voting about um yeah particularly um how we treat the disenfranchised and poor things okay so let's let's uh use that as a shift so what we're going to talk about for the next uh few kind of rounds as we we go through each other uh talk with each other about these things are just specific issues uh, what are some specific issues? And Daniel, you were kind of getting towards immigration. I think we can easily fold in foreign policy. Mm-hmm. How does our country treat other countries? How do we treat those who are trying to get into our countries? I know that that's we usually view those as two separate topics. But uh, guys, what what are the first things to come to your mind on what we should think as Christians on uh, foreign policy issues? Foreign. So I was specifically thinking of the, the disenfranchised already here. Um, and Michael, I know you, you have a lot of probably more interesting thoughts than I do on, um, on immigration and things like that. Uh, 
just generally speaking, I, I am pro-immigration, and I hope that our country treats immigrants being a more wealthy country and a more um, prosperous country, that we would treat those coming from outside, from specifically poor countries, that we would treat them with kindness and grace. Um, while I, I'm not in a, I'm not on the CNN debate right now, but I, I would add to that, of course, with a reasonable um, immigration decisions. Uh, I think the, a big thing for Christians to consider in foreign policy is our um, relation to or our perspective on warfare. Um, I think we may have talked about this on a podcast in the past, but I, I think that's a big thing that Christians need to continue to think about is um, even if you don't want to go as to the far extreme and be a, a pacifist to believe that countries must always um, resort to peace, that they, they can never engage in warfare, is um, how high, because I think the higher the better, how high is your standard for just warfare? Um, even if you don't want to be a staunch pacifist, uh, we should at least be thinking, okay, what, um, how, how can we avoid warfare for our country and how can we raise the bar? Um, and a, a lot of people get upset about recent wars that America has been involved in, um, for the last, uh, couple decades. And, um, part of, if you, if you, if that's how you feel, if you don't like those wars, then you need to be thinking, how can I advocate for a more, um, a more just nation that is, um, that is less quick to use the sword, um, when peace right. could be an option. Um, but w what are some other foreign policies y'all are thinking about or what are y'all's thoughts on, um, the, the military and that aspect of the faith? Well, I'll be quick to say I am. I only know as much as the the, the conservative news is going to tell me, and I'll hear their retorts to what the uh, left side uh, is telling me also. So I'm honestly not equipped to answer the question, and so y'all can shame me for what you you don't know about all the people that are being persecuted. Shame on you for not knowing about that. Okay, great. Uh, but as far as uh, how a Christian should, uh, how how much should a Christian be involved in politics and be aware? He can't know everything and uh, be able to give an answer for everything, uh, every possible situation. And in the world, you mean? Like everything going on outside in the world? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and, but when, uh, I think Michael, when he was talking about uh, doing politics on a local level, uh, the foreign policy is really uh, something that is, if I'm living on the border and I'm a part of what's going on with uh, uh, immigration, then I can do my part in that way uh, to give help to those that, that need help and um, make sure that I'm supporting uh, the causes that uh, are going to do a good benefit. Um, uh, I agree with mainly, uh, what both of y'all said on foreign policy issues, uh, Stephen, yes, that, that we should be local, uh, focused first, but also have an eye towards our way of helping out the rest of the world. Uh, Daniel, I, the, the way I would put it, um, what you said, Daniel, is that, uh, Jesus would look, would want to be pacifist, 
people would not be afraid of intervention, but he would have the highest uh, bar that must be cleared. Uh, that the that the uh, the good that is done by intervention, by military intervention, must heavily outweigh any sorts of not only casualties uh, of um, of civilians, but also military casualties. You know, even though they're soldiers, those lives matter too. Um, and that it, the the benefit that would uh, come must heavily outweigh that. And so, most likely, most interventions that have been done in the past, Jesus would not have done because that bar is not clearly met. And the person who replaces the dictator isn't better necessarily. Well, hold on. So you don't realize that this world is imperfect and there's going to be evil people out there. Go ahead, Steve. Think think about the scriptural examples of God's foreign policies that he had and um, that were then replicated when God did not have direct interaction with uh, people. So think about how he had sent the Israelites into the promised land to take it from people that were evil. They were not God followers. And so when you get into the medieval ages, the uh, Christians of the world decided that they needed to go on the crusades or or have religious warfare against um, people that denied God, denied Christ. And they used that and had that banner uh, for their flag. That was their call. That was their purpose of what they were doing. And so, so, so Stephen, I, I think you'll you'll agree with me on this. Would you say that the Crusades uh, gave us a more just world uh, that was, you know, a uh, a place for godly living? It spread Christianity to. Uh, uh, did it? it did. Uh, Absolutely did. It did not do it. Maybe we disagree on this. It did not do it in a good. First of all, maybe we're we're talking about different versions of the word Christianity. Uh, Christianity from what those people thought it was versus what a Christian should actually be like, imposing your will on somebody. You know, and just go be baptized. Uh, But uh, yeah, so they. They had good intentions, but went about it completely wrong. But as far the name of Christ being spread around, it, it was being spread around, but it was probably uh, having leaving a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So the lesson, and I'll give someone else the last word. This is my last word on foreign policy stuff. The lesson we learned from the Old Testament for foreign policy is that uh, even when God selects the people, which he does not do today, uh, even when he does that, when God's people take over somewhere, they mess it up too. And you end up with people who can talk directly to God, but still are awful people who will worship the same gods and fall for the same sins. Um, Hold on. Let's, let's think about, do you think the Israelites who went into uh, Canaan to conquer that land were just the perfect uh, Christian examples or just godly living people? Because, no. Even while they were there, they're messing everything up. Agreed. I'm not just saying that uh, people that claim to be Christians should just go wipe out all deniers of. Uh, no, of course not. Um, but, but no, okay. So, so Stephen, here's the parallel. Sorry, uh, I said it. It was my last word. Uh, so, the people that the Israelites took out were sacrificing children and deserved to be punished for their sins. 
uh, Hitler was killing Jews and deserved to be put, deserved to be taken down. So yes, there are people who obviously deserve to have uh, righteous indignation brought down on them. But to say that uh, that whoever replaces them is automatically going to be better, we see from both from from biblical history and from modern history that that, that does not always turn out to be the case. Sometimes it does, but not always. Do you think it's a level of evilness that requires? Uh physical action to be implemented. Okay. Move on. Okay. So, uh, Daniel, do you want to talk about economics or social policy next? Ooh. Um, let's do econ. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> um, so that, that's one of the things that, uh, I'm, I'm a bad liberal, um, uh, because I, I'm a real big fan of the free market. And maybe that's just uh, you and John Delaney and John Hickenlooper <laughs> and Michael Bitt. Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, also, when you said John Delaney, I was thinking of John Mulaney. I didn't know he was a he was a big free. Sure, but by the time we post this podcast, all three of those guys will have dropped out, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> be out. Um, so I, I um, that said, um, I'm generally uh, in favor of. Um, heavily prioritizing in any system of uh, government and any community uh, how you look out for and are helping to lift up, build up the, the poor and the disenfranchised, those who are marginalized. Um, and, and part of that is bleeding over. When I use the words marginalized, that's probably bleeding more over into social issues. We'll, we'll get to that, like you said. Um, but... I think it's very important that in any one that we are electing, that they, um, even if you if you lean right or if you lean left, that you are that the candidate that you're interested in is looking to the, the poor of the nation. They are trying to think how can we help these people? How can we how can we deal with this to to make life better for them and vis-a-vis -vis the, the rest of the uh, the nation, uh, those in the, the middle class and even the the upper class. Um, and so I, I think that's a really a big thing. And part of that is providing some sort of safety net is um, protecting them um, so that even when, even when they are lazy, but um, especially when they are unable to work um, from uh, some sort of affliction or from age or anything that we are, providing for them, that everyone deserves the right to eat, to drink, have shelter, to, um, uh, to uh, receive uh, medical care, and really in a, in a nation as prosperous, prosperous as we are, we take those basic rights and we expand them further in, in congruence with how prosperous we are. So if we're in um, America by some measures, might be the most prosperous nation. But that doesn't mean that our poorest people have to just meet that baseline of, okay, they, we have a cup of water, we have bread, and we put a tent over them. Surely, no, we can we can do better than that. Um, so that's how I'll start that. I think that is a very important part of the Christian message, uh, particularly as seen in our Old Testament prophets, 
um, but certainly throughout the whole scope of Scripture, including the Gospels. Um, and so that should very much reflect on our um, political ideals. Uh, what, what do you all think about, is there another direction you would take the Christian's relationship to economics or other thoughts you'll have on what I said? Well, I think your, uh, your safety net idea was uh, something that is needed, that, that that's part of uh, being, a, being a part of a community, in this case a nation, that uh, people are able to chip in to help out uh, with certain uh, problems. But the question then becomes, what, how big is the safety net going to be and how many sure. uh, foreseeable problems are we going to be able to cover? And at what point do um, we say to somebody, yes, we realize that you're in an unfortunate circumstance with your health, job, finances, whatever it might be, but we can only extend ourselves so far, um, but we will uh, try and help you out to this extent. Yeah. Um, because if we try to pay for everybody in the world's cancer treatments, then we would run out of money, not to mention that some of it's just incurable. And so if something yeah. is incurable, do we just keep throwing money at it and hope that uh, we're able to solve all of our problems? Because we got plenty of other ones lined up as well. So the, the question is, where is that safety net going to be? How, how much uh, are we willing to put into this uh, uh, to be charitable and help people to um, give uh, you know give those who need help the help that they deserve um, and then when do we say you're in an unfortunate circumstance we can help you not all the way but a little bit of the way and you're gonna have to be okay with that um, so uh, from the from a, from benefits that's how I feel you mentioned that you're a fan of the free market I am too. I also think that that gives the opportunity for people to live out of their means and make money and idle for their lives. And I don't think that if we're going to legalize other things that are harmful to people, then we have to also legalize uh, being a rich man uh, because people have a right to that. And um, that does not mean that it's the right thing to do, though. That's my favorite thing you've ever said, Stephen. I don't know. That was, that was interesting to that legalizing being rich as a vice. Um, we'll let you do it's it, even though we're not a fan. Michael, go ahead. So I, I just want to set the stage. You know, Jesus is president. He's in his first cabinet meeting, and the different secretaries are presenting their problems. And the Secretary of uh, Health and Human Services comes forward uh Mr. President, we have 40 million people who, who lack health insurance and, and lacked quality health care. And he just say, all right, I got that. Done. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they're healed. They're, they're good. Okay, okay sorry. Um, so I, I, I really think that everything y'all said was, was good. Um, one thing that carried over from the Bush, the second administration to the Obama administration was a focus on uh, faith faith-based uh, community initiatives that could help the poor um, and you know putting putting power back locally to take care of those things so we've already talked a little bit about that um, here's my my little different take from, from what y'all said um, I think that uh, a Christian or Jesus in particular a radical view 
would be on taxes, um, that we would not tax income. Uh, to, to make the left mad for a second, um, there would be no corporate income tax, no capital gains tax, really no income tax. Um, there would be sales tax. Uh, there would be a, uh, a high sales tax on non-food, non-essentials. So you know, food, basic clothing, and um, was it housing? You know, kind of a low tax there, but then a higher tax on on luxury goods. Uh, that we should. So when you tax things that you don't want, we want more work. We want more people trying to grow the economy. So Daniel, as you were talking about, that even the poor can live a really good life. Uh, but we want to tax things that are luxuries, that are essentially uh, hints of materialism, greed, of uh, trying to live beyond our means. Um, this is going back to uh, something I heard Tim or I heard of Tim Keller saying, he was talking to a group of, of business uh, MBA students and asked him, you know, how can we be a, uh, be ministers in our, you know, basically to the rich? And he said, uh, live at the bottom of your bracket. Um, you know, if, you know, you don't have to drive a bad car, just drive the least nice car of all of your peers. Live in the least nice house of all of your peers so that um, you still have access to those communities, but you are showing that there is still sacrificial living as part of that. So I think that um, the way we tax things is a or is a stance on morals. Um, so that, that's kind of the direction I would go with the economic thing. Oh, one, one more thing I want to say. Uh, Jesus would be completely and totally against crony capitalism. Uh, there would be no subsidies for the rich oil companies or for the green energy companies. There would be no subsidies for farmers. Uh, he, he would not try to give favors to the rich, powerful, and well-connected. Um, he would try to treat people fairly. Um, I think that both sides say that they're for that, but it's just not well done because of the entrenched nature of Washington politics. So, Jesus. And everyone is against corruption, besides those who are corrupt. That's, that's a safe thing to say. And uh, listeners, that was all uh, a pitch for our non-existent other podcast we'll be starting, Econ and Finance, which will just be two of the Crouch brothers. Um, will give us our. Well, you have to come to ask us questions. Okay, yeah, I can host. It'll be Christian perspective on those two things alone. Um, so, yeah. do we want to move over to social issues? Do we have time for that? Yeah, let's give it five minutes. Okay. Um, so uh, this is really one of the more difficult things um, for American Christianity, uh, especially understanding that a lot of American Christians are on the right, at least uh, evangelicals, those who are more practicing in their faith, um, and in their view of... Um, the left, political left, and even Christianity on the left is uh, a lot of social issues. Um, you think of uh, um, gay marriage or gay rights, um, also um, things like uh, race, um, civil rights, uh, and, and a host of other issues. We were actually talking before we started recording about um different substances, uh, drugs and alcohol and um, legalization thereof. Um, and, 
typically the the left is more accommodating of those things um well the right is not though um, libertarians who in some way are associated with the right are uh, are also accommodating those things as you can choose even though we we may not like that um you can choose to do these certain things um i i'm not sure what i think on a lot of this stuff but um as a general rule of thumb and i think this uh applies some some pretty obvious cases um that we we are we want society to be more egalitarian to be more equal um, particularly uh, equal opportunity. We want people to have the same opportunities and privileges that everyone else has. We don't want to bar people from things or treat them unfairly. Um, and if that's all that's meant by uh, social justice, um, then I would hope that certainly those on the right can also agree with that. I, I would think so, um, that we want people to have equal opportunities. Um, if you read my blog at all, also under the religion story title, then you know that that, that is something where I I, uh, I discuss a lot, or I have discussed recently, that we want equal opportunity, um, but not equal outcome. And that is, that's one of the common pitfalls of the political left. What are y'all's thoughts on Christians and social issues in politics? Let me let me go uh, real quick, and I want to really quickly talk about the last thing you talked about. Yes, I think that that Jesus's child policy, uh, the way that you know children are raised, the quality of the education that they receive, um, that politician Jesus would be very involved there. He would care a lot about that equality of opportunity at the front end, and would be. Even if he wasn't in politics, he'd still be a crusader for sure. that uh, today. Um, he, here's another, uh, so completely pivoting to another thing you talked, uh, you mentioned. Um, quick hypothetical. If Jesus was dropped in to politics in 1992, 1994, somewhere in there, and you asked him about the uh, gay marriage question, which really wasn't a big issue. I think that in those years, he would have uh, advocated for civil unions. Uh, he would have said, um, you know, that there needs to be a solution. There needs to be something that is done uh, about this. If you drop him into 2018, 2016, I think that the, uh, the world changes a bit. And, um, you know, so uh, gay marriage has been allowed at that point, the Obergefell decision. I think at that point, he, he says, now we've pivoted to where we need to focus on religious freedom. Um, that he would say, in this world, you have to, you know, tolerance has to go both ways. Um, and so at that point, uh, he would stand up for the rights of, of those who do not agree with uh, the direction the country has gone to continue to live in this pluralistic society, uh, but to be able to, basically he's uh, uh, arguing for the freedom of his own body, the body of Christ, to be the body of Christ, yeah. uh, even though there's disagreement there. Go ahead. Sounds a lot like you or Jesus in this example. You know, you know, that when I talk for Jesus, he tends to sound like me, yeah. Um, 
it's uh, you would think that it's uh, Jesus's response, and it's going to be in the context of the time. Um, and I, Jesus shouldn't have to campaign for office. First of all, he, if you if you ask Jesus, do you believe with gay marriage? You'd be like, well, first of all, uh, marriage is something that God set up. You can't make this yourself. Um, and so you could, it would make sense that you say, yeah, they have uh, the right to go and do something sinful, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. Um, and so you got both sides of it. Okay, well, now that it is legal, yes, we do need to um, protect our freedom. So yeah, I agree with, you, with what you were saying. Um, are there any other big social issues that we should look at? Abortion, we kind of skipped over that one. That's what the go-to one for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, there are some good arguments about uh, a woman uh, being able to uh, make a decision regarding their body. Uh, and we were going to talk about one issue voting, where you think that somebody's life should uh, take the uh, the precedent for any other uh, issue that you could be voting on. It would make sense that people would default to that. Um, and uh, I think that that is something that to consider where a lot of people, when it comes down to it, if you had to pick Republican or a Democrat, then they're going to go with Republican for that stance, just because they're associated with that. Yeah, Stephen. Stephen, this is not me asking what you think about Jesus or what Jesus would think on the issue, but Stephen, what what do you think about uh, uh, giving exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother? I don't think that there should be uh, life of the mother. Yes, because now you're talking about somebody else's life. What? Yeah. Not where uh, the child is innocent but so is the mother and the uh it's the child who is threatening the mother even if it's unconscious you are or not uh inadvertently intended yeah you have to protect the mother um so that would be the only exception raven insists i'm sorry that that happened to you there are other options for you to take care of this child you don't have to keep it other people are more than happy to take care of this child for you and you'll never have to dwell on the uh, horrible visions of what happened to you by looking at the child again and but yeah i would not make that uh, an exception for somebody to have an abortion it to, to give you the reason I asked, a lot of Christians who I respect, including yourself, Stephen, uh, take that position. It, it is uh, very prominent within uh, the Christian circles, which it undoubtedly probably should be. I, I come down on the other side um, that, that there should be those exceptions. And sometimes I wonder if I do that for political expediency, you know, that, that it will be a less controversial way of thinking about it. And I'm I question whether Christians should care about political expediency. I'm able to argue myself into it, um, but that's something for me to think about. I, I hope our, our listeners think about that with their own views, that you know, am I supporting this because it's possible that it could get done, or is it actually where I want to see the world go? And if that's what it comes down to, it sounds like you're trying to uh, 
sneak other things into a bill so that you can get stuff passed uh, by covering it with something else. Sounds like Uh, a very current event. Personally, I'm talking to Michael on this one. I think that if you actually uh, got down to the nuts and bolts of it, I think that you would uh, eliminate the exceptions as well. Um, Daniel, where do you you fall on this? Um, I, uh, even though I, I generally identify as um, pro-life, uh, I don't think that one issue voting is healthy. And I, I want to further answer what you're asking, Stephen. I think this will be a good segue into our final phase of this discussion, just about the general approach of Christians and pol- to politics. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think one issue voting is healthy because it denies the complexity of everything else. Um, so Abortion is kind of easy in that way because it's directly about um, death or not death if you don't think it's a lie. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, if you just do a few more uh, degrees of separation, um, then you can see how a lot of political issues have to do with life. Um, and th- then you also go into the ethical and Christian discussions on what is most important is life the most important thing or there is quality of life. And that's certainly affected by everything involved in politics. If quality of life is brought to this. Quality of life is just a degree of life. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, it, I think it gets complicated. And so it's probably not healthy to do that. Even if you do agree with that and that, that should be another, um, another factor on the scale when you're, you're weighing Um, your decision let let me really quick daniel um our audience should know i i i've always voted republican didn't vote for trump but i i vote uh, very much pro-life but i also you know there's other issues though that affect lives Uh, and this is my controversial statement but um it would be sad if a christian said i vote based off of life and this party is going to kill a hundred thousand babies i'm just making up that number it is in the hundreds of thousands but um, but you didn't count the fact uh, that this candidate is more likely to start a war or to uh, go after people in other countries and kill 100,000 civilians. Um, that's racism or xenophobia. You know, you, you know it's, it's some, some way of discounting the lives of these other people. They're, uh, you know, innocent lives are innocent lives. And I think that... Um, you, you can have different calculations there, but to not count another group is not doing justice to the one issue voting of voting on based on life. Sorry for interrupting. No, I, I think Daniel was right when he was saying it really comes down to the degrees of separation or, or what make make people uh, lean to one issue more because it's just more visible. It's in your face. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it like y'all said, it's very complex. So. Let's move into this, uh, this final phase. Michael, do you want to introduce it for us? Yeah, so I, I think that this could also serve as kind of our, our closing comments as well. So what final comments do you have? You know, what, What's your takeaways from this? And also, how do Christians interact within the political world? Uh, how does Jesus want Christians today to be involved in politics? Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say something. 
so yeah, as a closing thought, but also addressing this question, how, how do Christians approach politics? Um, I, uh, all of us are obviously coming out of the Stone Campbell movement, and one of our, the major figures in our movement is David Lipscomb, who is uh, famous for advocating a non-participatory approach to government, um, being a pacifist as well. I think his, a lot of his work in theology was built around the idea that, yes, God's, God's kingdom is greater than this kingdom, um, this country, or any kingdom on earth. And I appreciate a lot um, Dave, David Lipscomb and his, uh, his ethics and his approach to the faith. Uh, he was a man of great principle. Uh, and I think anyone is well served by following in his footsteps. That said, I think very often Christians, and a lot of the Christians I come in contact with who are intelligent Christians, they cling on to um, a more shallow form of this idea that Christians ought to not care about politics. In fact, that's how, more often how they phrase it. We, we don't care about that. That is not our concern. We're concerned about the kingdom of God, the church, and the faith. Um, and there's something valuable there, uh, but without all of the scaffolding and the foundation below it of really understanding how Christians could be non-participatory, how they could be pacifists, um, that it, it begins to collapse and it just becomes intellectual laziness and a desire to not deal with the hard questions of politics. So that's that'll be my final statement, that I think unless you have built it up on something strong and you've read your David Lipscomb and um, many others uh, involved in that way of thinking, then probably you should be very politically active and politically minded and looking to how your party, whether it be Republican, Democrat, or whatever, can be serving the kingdom of God in this country that you are living in. Stephen, I'll quickly say, uh, as a Christian, I think it can be really easy on you if you if you know your Bible and know what uh, God has called you to do, um, and can speak to that. You'll be able to give the right political answer when pressed. And but you're thinking, well, what if somebody throws in a technicality? Well, to give the right answer, if you know what God has called you to do. And occasionally you'll come up to something where it, uh, there may not be a right answer, where it just doesn't matter. Sometimes those types of things come up. Don't sweat those things. Uh, but I, you're not going to be able to understand the complexity of government unless you, that's maybe what your profession is. But uh, I think that if you're able to give an answer for what God has called you to be giving your answer for, you'll be just fine. Well said, yeah. Um, my, I hope mine's not much of a cop-out answer, but I would say that for our listeners, most of us will never cast a legislative vote. We might go to the ballot box in November and cast a vote for our elected officials, but we'll never actually vote on policies. So when our friends, family, whoever, uh, social media contacts uh, talk to us about these controversial issues, we should strive to be radically nice, to be radically kind to people. 
um, to give them the benefit of the doubt and to hope that uh, people will listen. Um, and we have to demonstrate listening ourselves. So um, that said, I, I'll echo what, what the other two guys have already said, uh, to be informed about things, uh, to actually pay attention to the thing. If you're going to get involved in these conversations, don't go in only knowing your side, know the other side to be able to uh, anticipate what they will say and do it in an honest way uh, to where you are giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, on, on all of those, uh, you know, listen to people who are Christians and care about these things on both sides. So, um, this has been fun. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about this and hopefully none of it will come back to bind us later on in our lives or even in a few weeks when people actually you said that? Oh, man. So uh, thanks for listening to the Religion and Story podcast. We'll talk to you next week.